Magazines were just about the cheapest thing around. It was a lot of hours and endless walking to make a few cents, but it was my first money, and it kept me out of the house. After a while, the walking seemed longer and the money seemed smaller. I started looking and listening for another way to make money, and sure enough, there it was, bright as a dime and only 93 million miles away. The Spanish called Texas the land of many lands and said that the scorching sun was unlike anything in Spain. They said the Texas heat in summer punished men and animals until they were withered, brown bags of skin. They cautioned Spanish soldiers and men of God alike to seek shelter and relief from the harsh heat. Earl's Dairy and Ice Cream Company in Waco agreed with the Spanish and saw a market there. I bought ice cream bars from Earl's at 40 cents a dozen and sold them around Waco all day at 5 cents a bar. I walked to the pool halls and domino parlors that were very popular then, and I made sure I showed up at about the same time every day. The men who were winning bought my ice cream bars. I sometimes made as much as $3 a day, at a time when construction workers were making about two fifty a day. That was big money for a 10-year-old kid. It made me feel ten feet tall to be able to give my family money. Thank you so much, Tommy. You're such a big help now in all this trouble. Mom always said the same thing when I gave her my money. She always kissed my forehead and held me for a minute. I felt proud. I had a paper route, too. I found I could cover it best by running with my papers, kind of loping along easy so I wouldn't get winded. People would say to me, Where's your bicycle, son? You're going to wear out your legs that way. I guess I did look a little funny, but I just love to run. I used to run out to Rich Field, a municipal and army flying field about a mile outside of town. I loved to watch the planes come in and take off. You could see the flames coming out of the exhaust pipes when they took off, and the sound of those motors would stay in my mind for days. Flying was still very new then, even after World War I, and certain planes and aviators were as famous then as the astronauts and moon landings were in the 60s. I knew every plane type, and I watched every move of the pilots. I admired their cocksure confidence, their upbeat, can-do attitude. I tried to understand what they were saying when they talked about airplanes. I read everything I could to learn what words like ailerons and nacelles meant. I carved my own balsa wood model airplanes, a whole squadron, and carefully hung them on strings in front of our big fan and got them to fly straight. I read every Tailspin Tommy comic strip in the papers. Tommy was a barnstormer who rescued damsels in distress with his roaring biplane. I made sure everyone knew I loved airplanes, too, including my Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim was a big, soft-spoken man who was nice to everyone and would spend a lot of time talking to me when he didn't have to. I wished he was my dad. One sunny spring morning when I was about twelve, Uncle Jim walked into the house and said, Get your coat, Tommy. We're going to go flying in a big Ford tri-motor. Flying? Me? I was so excited I could hardly breathe. The new Ford tri-motor was the greatest thing airborne. It was in all the newsreels, and to actually go flying. I don't think I got more than one arm in my coat until we got to the airfield. There was a big crowd there, and people were all dressed up in their best clothes. It was clear and windy, and from the road we could see the big new airplane glistening in the sun. 
The Ford Tri-Motor was one of the first all-metal monoplanes, and the single wing was really big. It was built with corrugated aluminum, which was a new metal then, and people had trouble saying the word. Uncle Jim had called it aluminum. Henry Ford had built the Tri-Motor, and some people were saying that everyone would have one in a few years. I couldn't wait. I finally worked my way through the crowd and got right up to the plane. It was beautiful. I couldn't move my head fast enough to see every little part of the plane. I walked all around it and told people what they called the tail and the parts that moved on the wing. You sure know them airplanes, son. Sounds like you're selling them, one man said, and everyone laughed. Not many people in 1930 knew that a plane's tail was really a horizontal stabilizer. It cost a lot of money in those days to go flying. When we stepped into the group that was boarding the plane, I just about burst with pride. We tried not to look at the other folks. We all knew.